Father, thank you. You have blessed us, you have blessed us, you have blessed us. Thank you for the safety that you've poured out upon this community. Uh, thanks for the willing hearts throughout the community that, that rolled their sleeves up and did what was necessary to help other people. Thank you for the support that poured in uh, from utilities and from first responders from all over the state. What a blessing that is uh, that there were available to us. Uh, and again, we thank you that for the most part, we were protected. So thanks for that. For the families that need help, uh, give us eyes to see so we can be part of the solution. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Nick, you're up. Hey, Mr. Bill. Thanks. I got a lot of comments about that earthquake in my office. Everybody said, I don't think it hit your office. It looks the exact same. I even got a picture from someone. <laughs> They're right, though. It looks exactly the same. So you guys know this. Or I'm Nick. For those of you who don't know me, welcome. Um, thanks for coming. It is, it is just an absolute pleasure to, to be able to talk about God, to share about God. And it, so thanks for being a part of that, um, especially when things are going crazy. And it's, I mean, God's still God. So thanks for being here. That is, that is a real treat. So, getting ready, uh, they said, you're gonna, we want you to talk about the structure of the Bible, or if it's unstructured, or, or whatever, and, uh, which is an ironic choice, if you know me. And uh, so I started thinking about structure in general, and, and I started thinking about kind of the, the unstructured, structured nature of, of a lot of the events in my life. And one of the ones that kind of stuck together was, was how I got to be a, like a, I'm an, I'm an aerospace engineer, so I'm a research engineer, I guess is what you might call me. And uh, so I, I have a degree in aerospace engineering, and so I, I get to use all these cool different types of physics, all one physics, but, but physics, thermodynamics, aerodynamics, comp, uh, compressible fluids, all kinds of cool stuff to, to do fun things, to make combustors and vehicles that fly supersonic or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, so I really enjoy that. So I started thinking about how I got to there, and it, it seems like a very chaotic path. So I, I went to college, not really sure why I was going to college. I was told I was going to, so I did. Um, and uh, and doing all this other stuff that I wanted to do, skydiving, whatever. And and I was taking some of these classes, and I was like, oh, what am I doing here? Am I going to do pre-med, whatever? And so I finally said, okay, I, I like I love airplanes. I love skydiving, so let's do something in the aerospace field. And aerospace engineering just seemed like a good, all right, we'll try that. And so then I started taking these classes that still didn't seem to, to make sense to me. Why do I have to learn about this? Why do I have to take analytical methods? And that's just like using math to find a solution given a mathematical system. It sounds awful, and it was at first. Um, and, and all these other biology classes and calculus, and, and I just didn't see how it all fit. And, and as I went... As I kept going and continued to, to, to pour into it, because I, I had a goal, I was like, okay, let's, let's shoot for it. And it started to see, I saw how this piece fitted with, fit with this piece, and that piece fit with that piece. And, and it all kind of started to, like, okay, I, I kind of understand this more. And I got to be more motivated, more into it. I saw a method to the madness. And, and that was right when the classes got really hard, which is a good thing. So then I started trying a little bit harder because I kind of understood what I was doing, how I'd gotten to where I was and everything that led up to it and then where I needed to go. And so I, I had a lot more motivation for it. And on that path, one of the classes I had to take was compressible flow. And, and I, being the unstructured person I am, forgot to sign up for it. So I didn't take it the semester I was supposed to take it, which meant I was going to be behind a year. So he's like, well, they only offer, at this school we offer it once, and so if you don't take it now, you can't take any of these other classes until you take this one. 
all right, what do I do? And he said, I'll give you a test at the end of the summer, and if you can pass the test, we'll count that as your class. I'm like, oh, all right, I'm sure, how hard could that be? He gave me the compressible flow book and said, here's all the sections I'm going to do and redo the homework problems at the end, and, and I'll give you a test. So I opened up the book, and it was so confusing. There's all these equations and these words and these charts and these graphs that I, I knew nothing about. I didn't know anything about compressible flow. But I, but I did it. I started to, to jump in, to do the homework problems, to try to do what it was telling me to do, to try to understand what it was telling me to, it wanted to do. And I started to get the structure of the book, too, a little bit. I started to understand how that was going. It was funny how that kind of fit in the overall theme of my, of my, my school, my educational career, if you will. And so that was just that was just really neat. And and then thinking about that, that concept of and then putting that on the Bible. So real easy, compressible flow. That's got a lot of application in what you want to do. You need to know that if you're going to be successful in making things go boom, roar, or, or fly, or whatever you want to do. And so, but now if we look at the Bible and what it claims to be, it is if we want to be successful in anything. Because remember, we've been. Bible claims, we claim, we've been created intentionally for a purpose by a purposeful creator. And so it, so, and he gave us this, this Bible to, to tell us about ourselves, himself, how he wants us to go about it, what he's done for us, how we, how we can get to know him, so, so much, so many things. And so we open up the Bible and it looks like a bunch of equations. <laughs> it looks like it goes left, it goes right, and, uh, and it, it can be a little confusing. And it was really funny because when I started to do that myself, I also just read through it and was like, what in the world? And, you know, I read through it once and was confused, but not totally confused. I, I got, I understood some things, but I, Bill talks about that too hard box or the too hard basket, like, okay, I don't quite understand that, we're going to move on. My too hard basket was full when I got through with that. But I, I understood a few very important things, which were really cool. But so back to the Bible and the, the structure of it. So as I went through it more and more, I understood that there was some structure to the book. I understood that, okay, this kind of goes with this, and then this over here is talking about this, and this is how they complement each other, and they're all talking about this. And so I started to get a better feel for it. So I'm going to try to share some of that as best as I can with my unstructuredness. But... So I appreciate you guys going on this path with me today. <laughs> so first thing, and I, I have to do this, and you, hopefully you guys have already read it, but this is, this is why. This is what the Bible, a lot of what the Bible, some of what the Bible says about itself. For the Word of God, talking about the Bible, is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. It says it's pretty powerful. Cool. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. So if that's true, we should really put a lot onto that, put a lot of stock in that, I should say. So first thing is... I'm going to shotgun you guys with all the books of the Bible. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, Miss Ty. There we go. I surprised her too, but she's fast. So here are almost all the books of the Bible. I missed at least one. I, I should have counted, but I hope you don't spend your whole time trying to find it. Um, 
But it's, it's, it's really cool. So in the, in the far left over here, we've got the Old Testament starting with Genesis and then the New Testament picking up here. And it's very common for it to be split up in these different topics. So the law, history, poetry and writings, the prophets, the gospels, church history, the letters, and prophecy. And so the colors correspond. So we have the law, Genesis to Deuteronomy, and then the history, Joshua to Esther, and then some of the poetry and the writings, Job to Song of Solomon. And you can kind of see how I tried to color code so we can kind of see that there is a structure. And it's really cool. There is a constant theme that get, gets repeated and reiterated throughout it. But it's all, and it's almost like it's a bunch of little mini structures to the whole big structure as you go through. And so we'll kind of attack some of that. So in Genesis, it talks about the creation and, and how we got to be where we got to be and then, and then how we rejected it, but then how God pulled us out like uh, in Egypt and Exodus. And then we come into, he's, he's created us as a people. He's already done this one really cool big thing and created us as a people. And then in Joshua through Esther, the history of those people and, and the history of them turning to God and, and doing it his way and then rejecting his way and then what's going on. And the writings, so the poetry and the writings there, Job through Song of Solomon. Job, we get to see, we get to see the, this guy live life and, and have not the easiest life, not necessarily because of something he did wrong, but just, it's just the way it was and how he dealt with that and how God responded to the way he responded to it. Uh, and then Proverbs, we, we see some of the, we get some of the heart to the people, the characters we see in the histories above it. And then to the prophets, also talk to the histories, all, also parallel with the histories. And, and the prophets are, 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 are telling them, this is, this is what's going on. This is happening to you. God is trying to tell you this. And this is going to happen. And then even further, this is going to happen. So they kind of lay out, this is why it's happening now. This is what's going to happen. And then after that, even more. So, and the, and there's a lot of really cool imagery in there, too, that helps you get the heart of God, especially in parallel with the histories that's going on. And then, through all that, they're talking about this future promise and what is to come in the, the bigger story. And then the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus, the story of our Savior, Messiah, they were talking about the whole time. The, in Genesis, they first talk about Jesus. In Revelation, they end with Jesus. I mean, this, that is the story. And so we entered, they, they show Jesus' life and death that has been talked about so much. And then the letters talk about, in light of this new understanding, now that we get what Genesis to Malachi is talking about, now that we get it, let's put this, the letters, let's encourage you to live this out in your life. What did Jesus say? How did he show us to do it? And then in the end, Revelation we, we've got the predictions from these prophets and how they have come true. And then Revelation talks about, it finishes it. It tells you, this is what is to come. We brought you to here and this is what is to come. That's it. So, <laughs> so now we're going to, I just said a bunch of stuff, and you know, where did that come from? So now we're going to look, actually dive in a little bit further and see God's words in these places. So starting in Genesis, this is just, this is fun. So the creation of man. He's already created the world. The creation of man. In the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth. 
and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain, rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So we were created to reign and to govern under God. We were created to, to manipulate and use all these things he's given us under him, under his direction. And then, what did Adam and Eve do? They, they, everybody knows they rejected God. How did they reject him? They did, they did what he told them not to do. They're saying they were tempted. Some the serpent, they describe it, Satan came in and tempted him and said, did God really say don't eat that apple or fruit, whatever it is? Did he said, really say don't eat that fruit? And he, if he said that, it's because he doesn't want you to see everything he'll see. If you eat that, you will know, you'll know everything. It'll open your eyes. And so when they did that, that act, they rejected God when they did that. So here they are, God has created them, put them in the garden, and then... The fall, they've rejected him. And, and then this is what God says to that serpent who did this. He said, because you've done this, you were cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That last sentence, this one, I didn't get this one for a long time. He's talking about Jesus right here. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Right off the bat, Genesis 3 is already calling out Jesus being crucified and then beating death, beating Satan by, by returning from the grave, which is, there it is. So it continues. We get the story of Noah where where God provides, he floods the earth. He punishes the sin and the hatefulness. And, but then he makes a way. He creates a way for Noah. And the story of Abraham, where he calls him out and creates a nation, creates the nation of Israel who brought these words, who, who recorded these words, these books that are in the Old Testament. And then, and he, he, so he brought them out and saved them. And then in Exodus, we jump into Exodus. So he, this nation he started under Abraham ended up in and slavery in Exodus, and slavery in Egypt. And, and God says, I'm the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, will rescue you from your slavery. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. So they've rejected him. They're, they're enslaved. He says, I'm going to pull you out. And in the way he does it, this wasn't an accident in the way he did the final, the final deal. There was a history of, of these, these plagues, frogs, and the Nile River turned to blood. And, and the, the final one, the final one that finally got fair to say, just, just go, is, is this one right here. And this is, this is how he did it. And, he's trying, and he does it to kind of foreshadow something that's coming. So starting here, therefore... Yep, thank you. Then Moses called to the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top 
and sides of the door frames in your house. No one may go out through the door until morning, for the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame, he'll pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. Catch this last sentence. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. It's not like he said, okay, everybody, we're going to sing this. It's like all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped because they appreciated the gravity of what was going on. Like they, they saw all the plagues that were going on. They were seeing his great power. And then he says, this is going to happen. He's going to take the firstborn. He's going to pass through and take the firstborn. So they understand the power of God and that there is the angel coming through to take the firstborn. And they see that there is now a sacrifice that they can give. So they keep their firstborns. And they, they didn't say, why are you going to kill all these kids? They bowed down and they worshipped him. Really cool. So there's that sacrificial system that he introduces for, to take, the, to take the, the punishment so that we don't have to. So that goes. They come out of the land. And then Moses goes up onto the mountain to talk to God. And God says, they're in 19, 3 through 8, And he says, announce this to the descendants of Israel. You saw what I did in Egypt. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me, keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. God said that to Moses. So Moses went down and told the people, this is what God said. And they all said, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses went back, told the Lord their answer. They said, yes. Now what do you want us to do? And that's when God gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them a standard from God that shows us God's nature, how he desires for us to, to, for one, to treat him, to, 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 to respect him, to love him, how to admire him, how to think of him. And then also how to interact with each other, all of us around. And then a few chapters later in Leviticus, he sets up this very grand sacrificial system for, okay, you're not quite getting it. This is, this is where your sins against me are going to go. And, and they, they, would, they would put their hands on this lamb's head and then kill the lamb during... The, the pro, while their hands were on their head, it was a, it was meant to be very impactful and 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 also show them how they were sinning against this perfect, great, wonderful God. And so it's kind of setting them up for what is to come. And that's, and and that's what we start to see, because here in uh, Deuteronomy, and now he says, "What do I require of you? I only require that you fear the Lord your God, live in a way that pleases Him." And love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you for your own good. He says, you must do that. And then when they didn't, he says, I've got, there, there, is, there, there is a way. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. 
Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love. And he chose you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. Stop rejecting me. Stop turning away from me. So we see him introduce this, the creation, the fall, and then him reaching out, making a way. Him showing us himself, and then him saying, you guys are, aren't doing it right. Stop. <laughs> and then you aren't... He he doesn't. So what we start to see is that sacrificial system doesn't just wipe everything out. It's not like okay, now we got the lambs, we're good, and and that's what we we see. Because remember, the the promise was if you obey all of my decrees, and they they continue to not. But he is introducing this new path here, and so now we jump on over to to jump into the histories a little bit. So we got that introduced. We see the histories that are going on and. And it, it, there's a lot of really cool characters here. You've got King Saul, King David, you've got Samson. You've, all of these just really neat characters that are running around doing these things, but they're, they're far from perfect. They, they aren't pretty by any means. But God still does amazing, really neat things with them and through them. And in the process of that, we, we jump to those, those prophets who are talking in and out of these lives and these events. And it, it really goes a long way to show us the big picture. And so, and so then we jump into these the poetries and the writings um, of Job all the way through Song of Solomon, and so we really start to get a feel for the hearts of these imperfect people. So we talked about King David, who did some just great, amazing things. Talked about one of he's described as one of the best kings, but he was highly, highly flawed, and he knew it. And he did not have a great, easy life. He he went through a lot of personal earthquakes, outside earthquakes, and just all kinds of things. And we see what his heart was like through those situations, through the writings, because he wrote some of the Psalms. And we we can dive in and kind of see what was going on. So, for example, this is one written by him. When he was in the he was in the wilderness he wasn't in his kingdom he was in the wilderness on the run um, and this is what he said Oh God you are my God I earnestly search for you my soul thirsts for you my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. What a heart. What a guy who is, not, who is nothing but devoted and desperate for God. That's cool. And then, and then we go to maybe a younger person who is, we're talking maybe 11 years old. Could be your teenage daughter. I don't know. But working with the, with the kids, because I, I get to run the youth group, they say, but I, I don't know what that means. But we, we, have, we get to hang out with these kids all the time, and it's so much fun. But this is, this is something being said by, think of an 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, even 18. We can even go to a 20-year-old girl, boy. But think about it. This is them saying it. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? 
By living according to your word. Ask the question that answers it. How can, a young, how can I stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you. Lord, teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. We talk about how powerful the word of God is. And here it is. We have a young person. And you guys, it is crazy. It doesn't get much less crazy as you get older. But it is just crazy. And then yet, for that, to have that heart and that passion to follow God's ways in their life, how different would things be if we did that? And how different would things be if we taught this to our kids? This is what, because this is what we're being shown. This is what we see as people came up. And, and the Bible gives us the story, gives us the path to, to, to the victory, to the win. And it is total devotion to him. And we see that all the way through it. And he's also done things that pull us out of our, of our nonsense, which is, it's God. And so, also paralleling the histories and the writings or the prophecies that we talked about where, where they're talking into current events and into upcoming near future events and also long-term future events. And jumping right into Jeremiah 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord. Well, I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. So you have to understand, going through the histories, you see that, that they're, they're a little down in the dumps. Uh, they rejected God, and things have gotten a little bit ugly. They aren't super pretty. And, and here Jeremiah is talking to them all. The days are coming where I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will not, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. So not, I'm not just going to write it down. I'm going to put this in you. I'm going to put it on your mind and in your heart. And then jump into Ezekiel. So this is still part of the what he's going to do. On to Ezekiel. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and I will bring you back in your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. If you really love someone... You want to make them happy. You want to do the things they're doing. When God puts his spirit in you, that love that he has for you, that you return to him, you're going to want to do these things. Here it is. He's saying, I'm going to come down and do this. You've got to let him, but he will. So now, in Isaiah, he tells us how he's going to do it. Isaiah 53. I, I wanted to put the whole chapter, but I didn't. But, so I really encourage you to. It's, it's a short chapter. Um, but we'll pick it up here. So now he's telling us a little bit about how he's going to do this, this, this big, cool thing, this new covenant. So who has believed our message to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. So now, knowing now that that's coming, let me tell you that this is about Jesus. This is a prophecy about Jesus. He grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. So humbly, he was, he was born in a, in a stable. And <laughs> he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He didn't come in, as a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a kingdom or in a palace. And then going on, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So here, he's telling us how he's going to do it. Way before it ever happened. Hundreds of years. So now, to the best part, him actually doing it. The Gospels. So they're telling us about Jesus here. And so the stuff before was kind of symbolic, the sacrifice. And now they're telling us about the, now we see the sacrifice here. We see him living, breathing, living, going through all the same stuff we've gone through. Because he came as a human. And, and he didn't come to make a new law. He didn't come and say, okay, all that stuff, yeah, just get rid of the Old Testament. Um, because that was still him. If you, in First John or in John chapter one, it tells you about how the world was created through him, and so he's, why would he say, "Don't listen to me"? And so here, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. I didn't come to wipe out the Ten Commandments or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth: until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's, so he's telling you that, that it's legitimate. That stuff, I'm not here to get rid of it. And if anything, he raises the bar. You remember, if you call somebody an idiot, you're, you're, you're guilty of murder. If you've looked lustfully on somebody, you've committed adultery. I mean, just by looking at someone, you can commit adultery. Think about how much that would hurt your spouse or someone. I mean, just by looking at someone, you can do that. He really raised the bar. And then here in John 14, I'm going to jumble these out, Miss Ty. I'm sorry, but I know you're going to do really great. John 14, 6 through 7. Thanks. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he's, he's making this, this pretty bold claim. You know, he's, he's been around, he's been teaching for a little while, and he's telling him, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
you can't come to the Father except through me, because I am that I am that sacrifice. I am the one who will cleanse you. We were, we we're looking at those before when talking about I will clean you and I will give you a new heart and I will I will wipe away and I will see your sins no more because Jesus is that sacrifice and that's what he's telling them right here. And then going down just a little bit more in that same chapter, John fourteen fifteen, he says, "If you love me, keep my commands." And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And it says about the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth will come and he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard from the Father, and tell you. So, so he's talking about putting his words in you and giving you a new spirit in the Old Testament. And here's that same spirit Jesus is talking about, the Holy Spirit. It, it, is just, it just lines up just so well. And then he died painfully. He suffered for us, for our iniquities. He was crushed. He was pierced. Because of our rebellion. And then he was raised from the dead. And then the early church, they saw, they saw Jesus. These, the disciples who lived with him for, for however many years and followed him around and saw everything he did, saw him die, then saw him come back to life. And now they understand the whole picture a little bit better. They're like, oh, it happened like this. And that makes everything back here make a lot more sense. And so they really got it, and then they started going crazy, running around telling everybody they could about it. They're like, hey, this is the truth. We got it. This is what's going on. The stuff that the Pharisees and guys have been telling us to do, it's crazy. This is what Jesus did. It's all about Jesus. And then we see the church just explode. And watching in Acts, watching the growth of the church is so much fun. Full of healings, fellowship, true worship, changed lives, changed communities, and a changed world. Wow, what a what a fun book! And it, see what happens when when that spirit of God and they they know it and they and they receive the spirit and they just ran, they ran hard. It was it's just a cool cool book. Now moving on to the letters, so. Jesus is risen. The church has spread. They've, he's told everybody, and, and, the, and people have, have learned, accepted Christ. People are being saved. Miracles are happening. And so now we've got this body of Christ. And, and living life is still hard. We still struggle. And then we got these New Testament letters from these guys who were, were living with Jesus and, and, and others who were going through life as well, of words of encouragement, words of, of, uh, of rebuking, if you would, kind of saying, hey, no, 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 you're missing it. You're missing it big here. And correction. And, and so we see them, now we're, they're walking through life with us, fighting the same issues we're fighting. Now, they might not be exactly the same. Maybe one of them got angry and threw a computer at someone versus one getting angry and throwing a sandal. But it's the same emotion and, 
and that same anger, you know, it's the same human imperfections that they're addressing. The same stuff that we struggle with, they really struggle with too. And that's what these letters are. And so I, I can't read them all to you, but I, I can read a couple little passages. So first one, 1 Corinthians. So nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites. It's happening in the Old Testament. And then he's referencing it here. No surprise, right? And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us today. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You guys caught that last action there. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. God will not allow the temptation more than you can stand, but you need to flee from the worship of idols. He cautioned you there. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Other people, greater people than us, have fallen to temptations. He's warning us about that. And he's saying, run from the temptations. In this case, he was talking specifically about worshiping idols. Run from these things that begin to take over your life. He's warning you. It's a good warning. And then down to Philippians chapter 2. 5 through, 15, 5 through 13. They kind of lay out Jesus a little bit here. So just go on this ride with me. This is too much fun. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, really painful death. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So that salvation that you obtained is what he's talking about there. Not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Your salvation, the gift from God, when you humble yourself, you repent, you acknowledge that you need Christ and get that sacrifice for you. That salvation, as you work that out, as you take that and that changed heart that he gave you, the new mind, the new heart, and you start to work that out in your actions and your thoughts and everything you do, it's important for you to do that with fear and trembling because God is a good, great, mighty, just God. 
And so we should humbly and fearfully do that. Because God is working in you to will, to, to give you the desire to do these things, and to act in order to fulfill his good and perfect pleasure. That's a big deal. And we see the story of how he's done that. So we have that, and then we go on to, to these, these other books, like in Hebrews, where it, Hebrews is a thick book. I, I have my two hard boxes full of Hebrews. Um, but this one is just, this is just more great stuff. For the word of God is alive and active. We saw the first half of this already. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So now let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Not arrogance, confidence in what Jesus Christ has done. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wow. And then there's the end. The end of the book. Revelation. It, we saw the prophets in, in the past tell us this is going to happen, and then it happened. We, we, the, the Bible gives itself credit. It, it credits itself. It, it shows you that it's real. And then Revelation tells you, okay, here, here's going to be the end. Here's what's coming. Here's the final act. And he also, at the end, talks to some of the churches and kind of says, hey guys, this is, this is some of the warnings to you guys and some of the things that you've kind of been messing it up with. And so here's one of those warnings at the, at the end there. So to the angel of the church in Laodicea, eh, right, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you were neither hot, you were neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So he tells us about the, I mean, this is future. He tells us about, these are the words he's going to say to some of the churches. So, so more warnings, more heads up for us. And doesn't this kind of sound like a, luke, a lukewarm Christian? You hear that? There's no such thing. You are a Christian or you are not. There is no, and he's telling you, if, if you're trying to be on the fence about the whole thing, one foot in, one foot out, I'm just going to spit you out. That's no good. And this is a warning to us because God knows our nature. And so this could be you. This could be us. We should always read the Bible of this could be me. This could be those around me. But mostly this could be me. And then he goes on 
into the into the end here and talking about and talking about the the lamb again. We saw the lamb in the beginning, in the middle, and in the end. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. He went and took the scroll, the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. This last sentence, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests and to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. The lamb, the slain lamb, have made them to be a kingdom of priests. We saw that already, didn't we? And they will reign on the earth. We saw that too. Spooky. It's cool. So we see these recurring themes. It it is very structured. So while we as people are extremely unstructured, God is just so, so very structured. And he works all of our funny, silly quirks and things into his perfect and beautiful plan. In Romans 8, he kind of lets us know this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So he takes all of this unstructured madness and really turns it into something beautiful and wonderful and his perfect plan we forget that he is over all of this those earthquakes those weren't outside of his his plan his will we had kelsey and i had to remind ourselves of that a lot we're not we're not from here we don't the ground doesn't move where we come from um but we're still here and we're so glad we stayed because how we can ground that we can ground this, knowing God controls us because of this. Because a few verses down, 35 to 39, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? So these are more of those letters, more of those encouragement. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us, who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels or demons, our fears about today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or above or in the earth below. Indeed, Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in humanly form in Jesus Christ our Lord. So 
when we get worried about these things and we think, well, sure, God will protect us, but I've got to do this, you know, outside of maybe what we think he wants us to do. We don't have to do that. We can take this book and the structure of it and see that it is proof for his existence and him speaking into our lives. We can really build our life on this book. The, the band's going to come up in a second and they're going to they're sing some songs. I, I heard them practicing. They're really awesome. And, and but we can think about this. This, this we've we've kind of gone through a broad overview of the structure of the Bible and, and a lot of the things it says and how they how they fit and how they they merge and just do just it's too cool. But until you read it for yourself, until you go through it and see what he is talking to you about, you won't really get it. And so I highly encourage. you guys to do that and put his word on your life and watch what it does so you've heard it now there is structure there is coherence and it is a consistent message and it is powerful and speaking into your life don't you want to know what it says and don't you want to know what it says for you and where he is taking you i do pray with me please who father thank you we uh, Thank you for just for the chance to stand here and, and talk about you and to, to learn about you and to see you work, to see your great power and something that for you is so easy but so amazing for us, like, like an earthquake. That, what a great power that shows, but for you that's nothing. You've created the heavens, the earth, and us for a purpose, with a purpose. And then you've, you're walking us through it with your spirit, with your word, and everything you've done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. If you guys have any questions or need some help with any of that, we're here. There is so much going on here. Ask them, ask any of us, and and anything we can do to help. We would love to. Thanks.